After years on the road, Timmy parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me. This is episode 198. The guest this week is David Silvera and his bandmates in Bias, Chris, Joe, and Rich. And we also have a guest host this week. It's Lauren Kozlowski of the Roach Coach Podcast. Lauren, how you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for stopping by on your way home, man. Hey, I, you know, I was in the town, I was in, in the area, and I thought, I'll just pop into the, the Toomey abode, see what's going down. It's crazy. Two of the uh, biggest new metal podcasts out there, in under one roof. Under one roof, man. <laughs> oh man, I yeah. This is this is not safe. If something explodes here right now, a big loss for the new metal community. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, we've got David Silvera on the show this week, and uh, you know he's on to talk about his new band Bias. I did get some corn questions in, but man, taking a deep dive into his catalog, I didn't realize he'd been out of corn for thirteen years. That's crazy. But then he was also in corn for 13 years. So that's also crazy too. Like yeah. both of those numbers sound so insane to me. And uh, his drum style, even on this new stuff in Bias, is so, he has his own style. Like he you, does. you know, and for a drummer, that has to be so hard to get, like when you know that that's the guy behind the kit, behind the kit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also, that's an incredible thing. I mean, because you can think of, I don't know, a handful of drummers where you're just like, Oh, I know this guy. Right. You know, Dave Grohl, I would say Igor mm -hmm. from uh, Sepultura. Um, and, uh, geez, I'm trying to think of other notable. Like Chris Adler, maybe from Lamb of God. I don't know. You know, he's, he's got a kind of a recognizable thing, even mm. like Vinnie Paul, but that's like drum sounds oh, Vinnie, too. Vinnie Paul for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, uh, Morgan from, uh, Seven Dust. Definitely, right, right. uh, definitely a sound that you can pick out. Um, but yeah, then some. Well, we just um, we just did. Uh, I don't want to, you know, jump ahead of it. We did do an album uh, recently uh, with Josh Fries uh, on great drums. Drummer, yes, and it's one of those things where you're just like, oh my gosh, this guy sounds like a machine. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So. What's well, funny with David is he has one of the most iconic just ride symbols ever because oh. the opening to blind i mean that's the first thing you've ever heard if you got into the first corner album, the first thing you ever heard was just david in that ride symbol and anytime someone just you know taps on that ride symbol you know what's about to happen oh and man oh man that's i mean that's yeah that's one of the most famous ride symbols <laughs> of all time i mean just i mean just doing that with a bunch of metal fans around people get excited like oh is someone about to play blind? I mean, maybe not the people, but someone might. Am I? Am, Am I, I ready? It's about to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. So, well, that's cool. Um, yeah, because, yeah, it's uh, yeah, notable drummer sound. It's, it's uh, I'd say, I'd say probably, though, if you think about it, maybe a, a drummer, a drum sound would be no, more noticeable than maybe necessarily like a defined bass sound, would you say? I mean, I, but maybe that's just the bias. I mean, yeah. as a bassist, though, I feel like the bassist tends to be undervalued unless you're like a famous bassist like Flea or Les Claypool or something like that. Well, I mean, even in Corn, I mean, you know Fildy's bass sound, too. You do. Because well, that thing is... A lot of clicks and clanks. Clicks and clanks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But. And the other thing with David's style, too, was his patterns. Like, if he did a fill, you know, it necessarily didn't end on the one. It would kind of go to, like, the five or six you know, like, i don't know what that means but i am nodding yes i agree <laughs> or, 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 you know. 
it's definitely that's the thing I also noticed, you know, on the show listening to so many new metal albums and that sound is like, yeah, you're definitely in a in strange time signatures a lot of the time that aren't more straight ahead that when you listen to a more straight ahead rock band like I don't know why it's coming to my head, but like Stone Double Pilots or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, you you kind of know you know where the sounds are supposed to be and then they deliver in that way. Um the first time I was really aware of like, oh, drummers sounding different was the, and I know you don't like them. I know you have an issue with them, but bear <laughs> with me, was the drummer, the change in drummers on lo- in Local H from their uh, from their Pack Up the Cats album right. to their um, Here Comes the Zoo album. And I, I remember being like, oh, this is, this is a different guy. This guy's more forceful. I don't know if he's as technical, but he's a monster. Right. And and that was and that was I remember thinking like, listen to me with an opinion on a well, drummer. That's half that's, the band. That's yeah, that's half the band changed. Change, change the half of the band. Yeah, so yeah. Um and then I always remember a buddy of mine, do you know the band We Are Scientists? Mm, know the name. Yeah, they're an indie band. They they're basically a twosome now with like they have a guy as their drummer, but like anytime they do press, it's just the main two guys. But they, when they started their first album, they were a trio and they had the drummer. And my buddy always said to me, and he was in a band and he's like, this drummer, so creative, so amazing doing these tricks. He's, he's, he's amazing. He's, he makes this band. And then he left. And the very next album, my buddy's like, they're done. <laughs> and I don't know if they're done. I like them a lot. Um, but they definitely, that first album is, is kind of the, still the gem of their discography. Um, second album underrated, uh, but yeah. So anyway, and, drummers. Yeah, <laughs> Travis Barker's another guy. Ooh, yeah. Um, when they changed from the dude on the original Blink One Eighty Two stuff to Travis Barker, Ooh. what a jump! What a jump! <laughs> that's that's the great. I, I wonder. I wonder. I don't know. I'm sure there's a story of like the first time they played with him, but I gotta believe that he got behind the kit and they just went, "What have we been doing? This guy." <laughs> What, are we are we worth being in this band right. with him? Should we tell him to leave or us to leave? <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> it's now your band, Travis. Uh, you know, you know, it's one one thing when um, you know, and I, I got reached out to do this interview with David and the guys in Bias, and you you're like, yeah, cool, David Silvera, yeah, guy from Corn. I'll definitely do that. But then you like take the dive into the catalog and all the songs and all the, the you know, uh, life is peachy, follow the leader and just issues and all that stuff. And then you like, you know, I grew up on this stuff and, you know, like I got into corn when I was like 14. Mm-hmm. So like they were like the band through my teenage years. And so you take the interview and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, I'll do, do it. I'll talk to David. And then you're actually like, Oh shit. It's David Silvera from Corn. Like you know, I've had Head on, and now I've had David on, and uh, I don't know, man. This is such a cool place to be. You know, right? Obviously, yeah. starting the show forever ago, you never, you never think you're going to talk to the uh, heroes type thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I yeah, I I agree. There I you agree. go. Very good. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of Ray's playing in Corn. I think they're you know Ray lose year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, I saw Corn with Joey Jordison. I thought that was kind of neat. Okay. Um, I don't know. Terry Bazio was on an album somewhere in there or something. Yeah, Terry Bazio, I think, is on the Untitled record. I think that's when he came into play. Um, but then I guess, like, I don't know. He 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 wanted to be a full time member, and they were like, uh, "I don't really think we're gelling." We're like with a you. thousand. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The um, the thing with David too is he he left after Head. 
Like he was still in the band after he was. Yep. Um, and then they like welcomed head back in, like nothing had ever changed. But when David kind of said, Hey, I'm ready to come back. They're like, nah, we're good. And I, and I kind of side with David on this one. It, It seems like, it seems like though that head's reason for leaving, um, makes sense to the band in a way and i think also and i'm speaking for people i do not know <laughs> and i am facing this only on public things i'm allowed you are access the dean to. of new metal i'm you the dean know. of new metal so i'm just open <laughs> speculation but it seems like they felt the absence of head a lot more than they felt the absence of david and I think that might just be that, yeah, they had people like Bazio and they had people like Joey Jordanson coming in and they were like, okay, we're fine. We're all right. And, but like I watched, actually I watched this thing recently. It was a thing where uh monkey gave like a guitar tutorial on how to play blind okay. and yeah, it's on YouTube. And, um, and he was talking about when he, he was showing you how to play all the parts, but he was like, you know, he said like my brother for a while, my brother had left the band and mm-hmm. I had to learn how to play all the parts. Right. And he's like, it's, it's very difficult. But that was a thing is I feel like head left and monkey was like, and I've, I've read part of head's book and he basically talks about the, like for a while head monkey seemed like very like, I don't need him, whatever. But then when he came back, he's like, dude, I missed you so much. I needed <laughs> you. You're, you are my partner in this band and I need you a lot. And it seems like, yeah, they, they realized that. But with David, I think they just found him. They found the drummer replaceable, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, we don't know the other backstage. I mean, the other thing is that, I mean, there's a lot of, I don't know, things. I don't want to speak out of turn mm-hmm. and stuff. But, I mean, there was a lot of stuff where, like, David had a restaurant. Right. David was, I mean, there was that joke all the time that David was, like, modeling and stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I mean, it was they, no joke. He no, was a Calvin Klein Calvin model. Calvin Klein model. So, yeah. So, you have all these things going in and... You know, just sometimes, sometimes weird things happen um, with drummers. I mean, look at Pearl Jam. Look at how many drummers those guys right. went through before ultimately just taking Soundgarden's drummer. You know, which is crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, yeah. I mean, the thing with Ray is that Ray was a session drummer for a long time, um, and so you know, I mean. I will say, like, what? How many records has he been on now? Three. He's been on. He was on uh, Path of Total. No, was he on Path of Totality? He was on the Paradigm Shift, mm-hmm. definitely, and he was on uh, Serenity of Suffering. Uh, Paradigm Shift. It's okay. Seems a little like there's some songs I like on it, but it's not my favorite. Serenity of Suffering, I thought was pretty legit. I thought that one was a real good crusher. But at the same time, though, I can tell it's it's one of those things where it's like corn sound modded to how people sound, like how most bands sound now. Right, yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I mean, also, I mean, Ray played with um, Army of Anyone, which I always hold close to my heart because it's the lead singer of Filter and two of the guys from Stuntable Pilots. So that's you know, always going to be a special band for me. So, I mean, I, I know what you mean. They're, he's not as esoteric. He's a little more trained because he was a session musician. Yeah, yeah. So he's a little more trained in that aspect. Um, and maybe he's he's tighter and maybe that's not what you always need. Right. So 
yeah. And plus, in photos, he still looks like the new guy. Like oh. he, I don't understand why why they don't like give him some dreads or something. Well, he, that's the funny. That is the thing. He does look like he looks like the guy that was a jock two days ago that just bought his first like uh blackville bride cd and he's like you know what i think i'm goth now but his hair hasn't grown out or yeah. anything so he's still trying just to like throw in yeah. some eyeliner you know what i gotta say this though i'd rather the vibe i get now is you know they're just being themselves mm-hmm. and like did you happen to catch the jonathan davis solo tour i didn't so ray was the drummer yeah. on that and him bringing ray along made me feel really good because it was sort of like um i'm doing the solo tour but i've got not only do I bring somebody from the band, but I'm bringing like the new guy like that felt like a real, I don't know, just sort of like letting me know corn's okay. Mm. Even though like, that was the thing. Like I, everyone there was, it didn't feel like I, that's the thing. I think if he did, honestly, if he had done that show completely by himself with all new guys, people would be like too good for corn. What's wrong? What's wrong with corn? <laughs> but he brings Ray along. It's sort of like, no, no, no. Like, this is a thing. We're all doing it. Everybody's happy. And that's the thing. Like, right now, corn, I think, is in a great place. Yeah. If you've seen corn live lately, they sound incredible. Oh, yeah. They sound so good. So, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, yeah. I mean, do I think Serenity of Suffering is as good as Follow the Leader issues? I do not. But, um, but I definitely think it's like on the stronger end of their back half of their discography. I mean, yeah. Well, I think a difference in a band like Corn to me also is the fact that they started as kids mm-hmm. and friends yep. and you know they started playing in, in their teenage years. It's not like Stone Temple Pilots or any of those bands where they're you know they grew up a little bit together but they weren't you know they were yeah. in their 20s when they finally uh, got right, together right, right. and stuff. Yeah. Like, like this is a band of friends from childhood. Sure. And uh yeah. You know, you don't get a whole lot of that. And it's good to see David playing again. Absolutely. Um, you know, like we get into the interview, we talk about Core 10 a little bit and how that just, you know, the fans did not care for that at all. The one thing I, I do like about uh, about this band, Bias, is like you can tell it's David playing drums and they've got a, a, a hint of corn. You know, we, when, it's when a I, dash. It's, it's a, a dash. It's a little flavor. It's, it's, it's enough, though, because. That's what the fans are going to want. The people that are going to want to listen to this album want to hear some hinges of corn. And David has a th- all the right to have that in his music. Absolutely. Like head solo stuff just sounds like corn. Absolutely. Like it's, it does. Like the, like the, his, you know, it had his, had, had that flavor to it. And so this, you know, like why fight it? You yeah. know, play some, get some down tuned songs, you know, get the singer that can do stuff. And, I don't. I didn't ask him about this. I kind of thought about it, but I, I didn't want to touch it. Why not play a couple of Corn songs live? Those are David's songs too. Like, and the fans right. that go see it want to see it. Like, it's not. Uh, it's not going to be a bad thing to do. He's got the hi hat. Yeah, he's got the hi hat. He starts playing that hi hat. People, people love it. No one, no one would say. I can't believe they played blind. No one's ever said that. Right. No one's ever been upset that they played blind <laughs> ever. So yeah. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, as I can tell you, so we both saw Corn on the Sick and Twisted tour mm-hmm. in 2000 when it was Faith No More's drummer. Right. Mike Borden playing. Mike yeah. Borden playing. And I saw that. And I think I've told this story on my podcast. Uh, went into school the next day and this guy's like, drummer fucked up blind. Didn't do it right. <laughs> so I'm like, there you go. You've got the guy who can do blind right mm-hmm. 
down tune those guitars. It can be done. I watched a video of a rapper the other day, Denzel Curry. I saw that, yeah. You saw it. He's in Australia. He did a cover of Rage Against the Machine, Bulls on Parade, with a bunch of clearly Australian session guys. They fucking did it. I did not. I clicked that video fully expecting to turn it off within 20 seconds, and they did it. I was blown away. Mm -hmm. So I said, hey, if these guys, you know... These guys, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they looked like they could all be in like, I don't know, like an indie rock band or something. These guys can pull it off. Yeah, you could probably pull off Blind, but hey, no pressure. No pressure. Blind, you know, any of those songs. I mean, hell, he's got, what, six, seven albums under his belt from those first few yeah, records. Yeah, that's true. That's but, true. Yeah. But I will say, I wish that this band would have came out first over Core 10 because... yeah. Core 10 put the bar so low <laughs> like, <laughs> it did. It did. that, you know, this band bias is actually really good, but mm -hmm. I think there's like some stank on it from, from the yeah. core 10 stuff. And, uh, I, I did, you know, kind of go in my research to talk to David about this was, or talk to the guys in bias about all of this was to go in and check out the comments and the comment section on a lot of the stuff was very positive. Good. The core 10 stuff, 99% negative. This was real positive. Good. And I think people people are into this. Um, a couple of songs, you know, they got a couple of songs out. I don't necessarily, you know, they didn't really go into a whole lot of what they're going to do. You know, I think they're going to keep releasing some singles until maybe a label comes sniffing around. But in this day and age, I think that, you know, David's name, this band, I think, you know, it, it could definitely get off the... Uh, Oh yeah, Get off the ground and absolutely. You know what? What? What head PE type band is not going to want to take this band out on tour to say, "Hey, you know, we got the dude from Corn in the opening yeah. band." People will come. That will be a uh, selling yeah. point on the flyer for the machine shop. That's right. <laughs> this Get to band the machine need, shop this, bias. This, this band bias should be uh, four nights sold out at the uh, machine well, shop. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> they might even play Seven Dust home. Oh, that's right. Entirety. We're going to play Seven Dust. Why not? But before we get into too much more, uh, actually, I do need to talk about Good Company with Bowling, our good friend Scott yes. Bowling, down in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, yes. What a great show he has. Oh, my gosh. That guy, top-notch quality. I'm telling you, man, Like if, if you watch, especially his Eddie Trunk interview, mm-hmm makes you realize how much more production value his show has over that metal show that was on VH1. <laughs> so it's pretty insane that, uh, you know, a dude in Atlanta in his man cave is putting on a better show than VH1. Every time they're cutting angles, I'm like, how many fucking cameras? <laughs> this guy's got so much coverage. Yeah. And so like, good. yeah, so I, I don't think any of these have gone up yet, but he posted him. He's got, uh, he had Matt Penfield on. Yeah. He had Legend. Mickey or Mikey, Mikey from Islander, legend, legend. Um, he had, yeah, I just, I mean, for one, I didn't, I didn't know what happened to Pinfield. I'm yeah. assuming it's going to be discussed in the interview because I guess did he have some sort of surgery or something? He got he has, uh, hit by a car. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, he got hit by a car and like it's, I think it could have killed him, but I think he made it through. Wow, you know what? This makes sense because I was I subscribed to his podcast and it just stopped updating, and I was like. <laughs> Another one bailed on the pod. Pod fade. Listen, man, I know. I'm 140 deep. It's hard work. Now I, I take back all the things I said to myself. I didn't say this to anyone <laughs> Where else. Where is this motherfucker? Where Matt is Pinfield? Wow. Well, well, good for him. All right. Well, yeah, but yeah. On a, on a Good Company with Bowling, I'm very excited to watch his interviews. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a top quality show. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. And he... Uh 
he spares no expense done by our good friend Nathan Mowry down mm-hmm. there with uh, Kind Punk, which just celebrated their one year anniversary. Ooh. And, um, you know, the guy that does all the Fozzie videos and all the stuff for DDP Yoga. So Nathan Mowry, great dude. And yeah, I can't say enough about Scott Bowling. So make sure you guys are checking out Good Company with Bowling. It's on YouTube mm-hmm. and scottgoodcompany.com and let him know that the Talk To Me podcast sent you and that would be much appreciated. Speaking of a walk down memory lane, let's talk to David Silvera and the guys from Bias. And uh, before we do that, let's check out a song called Change Your Mind. And then we will talk to David and then we will get Rob Rivera's pick from the kit. And then Lauren and I will be back to talk to you momentarily. Find Try to embrace it 
right, guys, we have the uh, members of Bias on the line. We've got uh, David, Chris, Joe, and Rich on the line. How you doing, guys? Good, thank you. Pretty good. Yeah, good. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you guys for calling in. Um, so since we've got so many people on the line, I'll try to, uh, I'll try to throw out a name and then kind of go question by question for everybody. And, uh, so we'll start out with rich here. Um, you know, these, these, uh, these new songs, you know, you've added to the band, uh, to this new configuration of maybe an older band, um, coming into it, you know, what was your inspiration and, uh, you know, getting into this band to, uh, to, with your vocals? Um, really, I just wanted to make cool music. Um, I, I approached it, I, I approached everything vocal wise with, uh, I just wanted to, it to be melodic and catchy. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't really aiming or focusing on any particular style or genre. Uh, I just was hoping to, to meld with these guys, which I think we've accomplished. And, uh, David, are you there? Yes. Cool. Uh, with the newer, the two new singles you guys have out with "Pity" and uh, "Change Your Mind," it does kind of throw back to your style that you brought to uh, to the new metal world back in the '90s. You're one of those drummers that I know it's you playing drums, and being a drummer, that has to be very hard to kind of have a signature sound. You know, where does that come from? Um, it was never a mental decision to start playing drums in a certain style. I think it was just uh, growing up and being influenced by other drummers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when I was first playing, when I was like 10 years old or whatever, uh, I was into like Neil Peart and Tommy Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> Very as, I got, as I got older, yeah, and then as I got older, I, I really liked drummers like Tim Alexander from Primus mm-hmm. and Mike Borden from Faith No More. So uh, I, I think. Just being, I'd say probably Tim Alexander and Mike Borden have been probably the most influential as far as the, the way I play now. Um, just it's kind of it's, it's kind of driven the mindset of how I approach writing to music. I'd say those two guys probably have had the biggest influence on me. Well, since you brought up the name Mike Borden and I have it in my notes here, uh, the one thing that I did get to see as a child was uh, was Mike Borden filling in for you with Corn. And you sitting next to Mike Borden, counting off like the next parts coming up, whatnot. What what was that like for you? If he was such a big influence? Uh, well, honestly, that that really sucked because the reason <laughs> I was I was doing that was because uh, I was having we were on tour, yeah, and I was having trouble gripping my stick with my right hand. It was like my like my wrist was going numb, and I ended up going to a sports medicine doctor. And I forgot what he called it, but he, he does this operations on a lot of football quarterbacks and mm-hmm. baseball pitchers from raising your arm over your head and making the throwing motion. Yeah. Um, it basically, your nerves that come down your neck and down your shoulder to your arms, um, they're, they're tapping the, the end point of the first rib. And, and doing that over and over again hard, it, it causes the, your hand to go to sleep. And I had no idea it was even a real condition. I was like, what the hell is going on with me? So I went to this clinic in Anaheim out by Angel Stadium. And um, they said that I have some kind of, they call the pitch or something. So I actually went in and they cut off about an inch and a half of my first rib. So I could move my arms up and down without my, uh, without my nerve um, hitting the rib and making my hand. So yeah, it was pretty weird. It was, it was pretty frustrating. So I was happy to have Mike Gordon come out and fill in for me, but at the same time, it was pretty, Pretty depressing time. 
Yeah, normally you, when a when a uh, a guy comes out to fill in, you know he the the regular player is not there. But that's the one thing I'll always remember is you basically sitting right next to him, and you know, kind of you would almost like point to the to the ride symbol or the crash symbol or something like you know the parts about to change. So I always thought that was fun. Yeah, I mean we were we were in the middle of a tour mm-hmm. when we stopped, and and Mike he I think we took like we rescheduled like two weeks worth of shows, and Mike listened to all the songs, and then he flew out and. Gave him a set list in advance, all the songs. And then he came in, and I think we went into rehearsal studio for hours every day for like seven or eight days, maybe even ten days in a row. And um, and, and he just tried had to learn the songs right there with him. And, and then he was, he'd go back to the hotel and listen to the whole set all night long and all morning long, and he'd go back to the rehearsal studio and play them. And I would be right there on the drum, the drum riser counting off for him. And then um, I think I continued to do that for like maybe two more weeks on the tour before I actually went home and had the operation. That's insane. Uh, Chris or Joe, you can kind of handle this one. Um, with the uh, this new band, you know, kind of coming from the ashes of Core 10, uh, the one thing I've noticed mm-hmm. with this band is a lot of positive fan feedback. Core 10 basically destroyed right out of the gates. Um, and, I, you know, I love this the new stuff. So, I mean, how does that feel for you guys to kind of see both sides of it? Um this is uh this is Joe. Um right, Joe. I, you know for hey man. Uh it's for us I mean obviously it's it's great. I mean uh you know Core 10 did bring David, Chris and I together and that's never going to, you know, change anything with that. But you know going through um the time that we had together and we you know we basically clicked right off the bat the stuff that we would start writing together um was you know, just going in a whole different direction. Um, and, you know, D- David having his signature style and Chris and I have been playing together since we were like 11. So it, it, we were just kind of all on the same page and kind of knew what we wanted out of the music. Um, and the response, you know, um, that we're getting, I mean, obviously is a hundred percent better, but, uh, it, you know, I, I mean, it feels great. You know, I, we, we, we can really stand behind what we're doing. We're really, really enjoying uh, playing together, and uh, you know, and everything that we're writing and, and coming together as a core of a band is is has been awesome. So, I mean, it, everything feels pretty good right now. Is the same for you, Chris? Also, too, this is yeah. Also, too, uh, I mean, this is our own uh, band. Sure, the, the other band was already established, mm-hmm. and we kind of just walked into it okay. with existing songs and whatnot so we didn't know what we we're getting to but yeah like joe said it kind of you know it was a stepping stone to getting us all together and moving on to the next next chapter and chris with this band you know some of the stuff i mean obviously you're going to kind of with david in the band is going to kind of tinge a little towards that corn sound and i think a lot of it has to do with just because of how big david was of that corn sound um you know and even head stuff when he went off and did his solo stuff it sounded exactly like corn do you guys maybe write a little bit with corn fans in mind or are you guys writing a little bit you know just with what you guys want to put out uh no it's just really kind of all just falling together mm-hmm. i mean that's obviously corn's always been a big influence to me i grew up you know in that listening to that genre of music so I kind, of, I kind of think with uh, David style, it just kind of falls into place. Yeah, we don't. We're not like purposely trying to sound like corn. <laughs> um, it, it, I think. 
I don't think we do. I mean, I mean, we, there's tinges of it, but I think that has a lot to do with David. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's always. I think that's always going to come out with with David's style. I'm not saying. But, it, and anytime yeah, you're the, playing, go ahead. Anytime you're playing in a drop tuning with a you know seven string or or, or C yeah, and stuff right, like right, that, right. I mean, that's kind of where that all originated from. You know, <laughs> so. And and uh, Rich, you posted actually like right before we got on this call, you posted a photo of uh, you and Jared from Taproot and some of the guys from Head PE. Has the kind of that new metal community sprung up and you know interested in what you guys are doing and you know even kind of like throwing out you know uh, help you know any kind of help they can. Um, I think the support's been really good out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just hanging out with the guys. I mean, I'm I'm just getting into the scene mm-hmm. again. I'm actually not from OC or anything like that. I live like 30, 30 40 miles north, actually 60 miles north of, of OC. So I try to come down and, and hang out in, in the scene out there. But um, everyone's been really supportive. And one of the number one supporters of us has been uh, Power Dead out in, uh, out in OC. So it, it's kind of cool. It's cool to see that happen yeah, because I was terrified, you know, yes. uh, before we were about to yes, drop our, our music. Mm-hmm. Um, just because yeah. of the response that Core Ten received. Yeah, I was absolutely <laughs> terrified. I didn't know what was going to happen. I know you guys did one of your first shows last month. How have the shows been? You know, the the fan response to that. Um, we did uh, like a little benefit show um, for for a buddy of mine who uh, passed away right before Christmas to raise the money for his family. We had great response with that, and that was kind of our real first um, time actually coming out, and everybody loved it. And then uh, it, we did the Schecter Indie Nam after party it was going to be like our first official show that came out, and it was sold out front to back like it is every year, and uh, everybody loved it. So, um, you know, I, as a band, uh, collectively, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we, we all felt really, really good after that. I mean, we, we can't wait to, to get out and play our next show and, and, uh, and keep engaging with, with, with the people, you know, cause it's, um, it, it's been awesome. And, uh, just, you know, just being this new and getting this good of a response and, and everybody liking what we're doing feels great. With David, um, you know, you've been out of corn now for, for 13 years, which sounds insane to me. Um, and this is one of the, you know, with core 10 was kind of getting your feet wet, but you know, this really seems like the first kind of real band you've done since then. And, uh, what kept you from really doing music in the last 13 years? Um, you know, honestly, um, for quite a few of those years, I, I own two restaurants Mm -hmm. and, um, I was I, I was mainly just working on the restaurants. I was just just managing the restaurants, and then I sold one of them, and then I eventually decided to merge with some partners to take over the day to day for the second one. Mm-hmm. And I got I, that, that was that took that was like years of me doing that, and I just got kind of sick of doing it. And like I just wanted to play music again, and then uh, then we, we we got together with uh, the guys from Corten, and we did that and. That, that for, I don't know why we took that band for so long. <laughs> Myself, Joe, and Chris, we all knew, we all we, we, we would all look at each other, and we would know that the band was just not what it's supposed to be. I think everyone kind of had false hope that it would get better. Um, but, but, but as far as the three of us, we definitely had a very strong chemistry and a great bond. So when we decided that Quartet was done, um, we immediately started 
trying to write music, uh, the, the three of us, and we put out the singer search. Mm-hmm. And then we, we knew we either wanted to get a, a keyboard player or another guitar player. And um, Mike Martin, our guitar player, and he goes, you're learning your song. So it was kind of like natural. We just invited him to come down and, and play with us and see what happened. And I think it was like maybe two or three rehearsals, and we knew that he was he was up up to the task of becoming the second guitar player. Um, and then we just started. Uh, you know, the, the chemistry was just always there. And then we found Richard. That took about maybe what two rehearsals together before we kind of solidified it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. And then um, I think I think though the Corten thing was good because it. Uh, it just got, for me personally, I'm only speaking about my, my personal experience. Corkin was good because it got me back into just playing music and, you know, going to a rehearsal for, you know, three or more, maybe more days a week and getting, you know, getting back into the groove of playing all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, I think since after Corkin, personally, I feel like I've even become, a, even become a better drummer than I even was before. Um, playing with these guys has kind of been inspiring to... To, to even get better, I mean, that even makes some sense. But that's what it feels like to me. In one of the uh, the little vignettes you guys did for the for the album, David, you said that this is like the best recording you've been a part of, and that's some pretty strong words. You know, saying that you know you you were you were on uh, you know follow the leader. So it's kind of a crazy thing to say. Do you can you elaborate no, a little bit more what, what, on the best recording part? Absolutely. What I meant by that, I in in. First of all, I was going to say, in no way whatsoever was I comparing bias music to Corn's music. Mm-hmm. They're completely different. Everybody, everybody, the music's different. The bands are completely different. My, my, what I said that was specifically about the sonics of the okay. recording itself, the sound of itself, the drum sound, the guitar sound, the bass sound, just the overall thickness of the, of the music. I was specifically talking about the recording itself. I, w- I wasn't comparing music to music. Right. Okay. Yeah, the two, uh, you know, it kind of caught me off guard when you said that in a little vignette. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought of that when the interview was over. I was like, "Shit, I should have been more specific." Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe that'll get out now. The um, in those thirteen, well, I keep saying thirteen years, but in between Corn and and Core Ten, uh, had other bands reached out to you over time, just saying like, "Hey, what are you up to? We need a drummer." Uh, any anybody reached out to you over those years? Um. No, 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 I really want to talk about. Okay. That works for me. And then, uh, I guess, I guess the last corn question I'll give you, uh, you know, a lot of stuff has been said over the last few years. Uh, do you ever feel like you'll play with those guys again in any kind of capacity, be it, uh, a one show, get up and play blind, uh, or rock and roll hall of fame kind of deal? Because, you know, all that stuff's going to be coming up soon. Um, I think it's a good possibility I could play with them at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. but I, I don't see anything past that. Well, I know that uh, myself, being uh, one of the front runners, would love that because uh, you are the true backbone of that band and uh, creator of that sound. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, we'll give this one to Chris. Um, the one thing I liked about the the uh, see, uh, the single release, and even though it's on YouTube as two separate videos. It's a side A and side B. Whose idea was that? And uh, I think it's a pretty cool uh, concept in the digital age. Uh, actually, I think it might have been my idea. <laughs> kind of, it seems fans doing that. I'm not sure who, uh, 
really came up with the concept. I think I kind of pushed it, though. Um, we were not sure what song we wanted to release. And, uh, you know, both of them are really good. It was just like, why wouldn't we do both? And do that, you know, anytime you used to buy a record, a 45 or cassette, you always got an A and a B side, so. Right, I love not? it. Yeah, it's it's great. I don't. Whoever wants to take this one, Rich, or whoever, uh, what are the kind of the immediate plans of 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 bias? Well, we want to write um, as much music as possible right now. Um, we have about ten songs right now. We want to kind of double that so we can cherry pick and put out the best record that we can put mm-hmm. out first. Um, there hasn't been any talks of major labels yet, but we're not really, you know, pushing that right now. We're just more focused on the writing aspect of everything. Yeah, in kind of getting out and, and uh, you know, in, in getting our feet wet a little bit more live and, and uh, getting out with some, you know, uh, doing some opening for some bigger bands that are doing, you know, uh, bigger stuff than we are and uh, and just focusing on writing right now. I mean, we've got, you know, a pretty good team behind us that that's kind of helping us um you know just uh just do things the right way we don't we don't want to jump into anything um and sign anything away i mean we're, we're, i think we're doing pretty good with what we got going now i mean obviously we're, we're exploring some opportunities um but we're, we're not really shooting for major labels and all that kind of stuff at the moment all right, and uh, guys, we will end this uh, end this episode out with uh, the song "Pity." Um, Rich, what, is it, what does this song mean to you? And uh, maybe give a little story behind it. Well, I wrote this song about um, basically when when your level of effort doesn't match your your level of desire. You know what I mean? So you could you're gonna have to work for what you want, you know, and you're gonna have to pay your dues. It's not just gonna come to you overnight. But um, that's what I wrote the song about. Um, I want people to really take their own uh, their own ideas out of the song and, and see how they relate to it or if they can see any situations around them that can relate to, to what I'm talking about. Oh
What's up, everybody? This is Rob Rivera from the band Nonpoint, and this is uh, my weekly segment here on the Talk To Me podcast, Rob's Pick From The Kit. Uh, this week, we'll be playing something from Korn, uh, the song Clown, uh, one of the most unique songs you'll ever hear. <laughs> that whole first record was amazing. I still remember seeing the Blind video for the first time and on MTV, I think Headbangers Ball, and I was like, what in the flying fuck is this? Just like the coolest riffs uh changed the game uh totally pioneered a style that people can now call new metal or like i don't know not sure why it's called new metal but what the fuck ever right anyway um yeah i just an incredible band they've had a quite the career lots of great records uh lots of huge sold out shows so it's and still going strong today. It's so killer to see this band that I saw like in 94 still killing it out there. It's just insane how long this band has been together and, and still consistent, still playing big shows, headlining festivals. It's so killer just to see them, like I said, continue. I uh, just recently saw Head on Shiprocked and, and Brian was such a cool friggin' dude to talk to. Completely humble, loves music, was watching a lot of the bands. He'd come out and just check out everybody. Then after the show, he'd come out, come backstage and hang out and talk to you. It was very, very cool to see a person with such a prestige, uh, such a huge career and incredible success to be that humble. It's just so refreshing to see when 
so many bands out there who all of a sudden have a number one song on anywhere and they just their heads get too big and they don't want to talk to nobody they think their shit don't stink and whatnot so really cool to see head in that kind of environment and uh he was there front row just banging his head watching us play it was just so killer to to see him up front and just gives you a little bit more of a purpose to throw down and kill it and and we did that night man you know you have somebody who is in such a killer live band like Korn and watching you and you have to come and bring your A-game. And that was just really cool to be able to see him up front. And hopefully it's not the last time we see him jamming to us. And uh, anyway, it looks like they're going on tour this summer uh, with a pretty big tour from what I saw. So everybody check out, check that out. But here's Korn with Clown. Shit, sir. 
huge thank you to David and the guys in Bias for coming on the show, and a huge thank you to Rob Rivera for his weekly pick from the kit. And I uh, got a huge thank you to Rob Rivera for that uh, hookup with Phil Dimmel last week. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. man that album, that episode went nuts. <sighs> the internet was on fire with Phil's hot, hot <laughs> take. I got to tell you, Phil saying, I wish I hadn't given him my riffs. I wish I could have my riffs back. I want my riffs back. <laughs> <sighs> man, I uh, so I follow Rob Flynn on Insta- on uh, Snapchat and Instagram. Oh, nice. And I, I don't know what the timeline is exactly, but I feel like your episode went up and maybe two days later he posted a Snapchat mm-hmm. of him in the studio. He's like, I'm in the studio. I'm in the booth. I'm recording. Like yeah. I was like, oh, man. Like he's... He's like, I'm, I'm back at, like, I don't know if that, like, I mean, obviously they got back to him. I oh yeah. 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 Fire under him. So he, um, you know, it was funny about that rot that, that Phil Dimmel episode was how quickly, honestly, quickly that, that came through. Like literally I was at work and I get a text from Rob Rivera and he's like, Hey, do you want to talk to Phil? He's, I think he's ready to talk about machine head. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And then I, I was, you know, listening to some Machine Head and stuff on the way home, and I started Googling Phil, and then I just realized there's nothing out there with him on it. Like, he had done Jose Mangan, like, the day before, mm-hmm. but that's on Sirius, and you can't really get that, you know, unless you're a unless subscriber, you're yeah, yeah. and the on de- even, they, even though it's on demand, you still have to pay. So, no, you know, people heard it, but people didn't hear it. You right. Know, you could go back and listen to it. You had to listen to it live. Mm-hmm. And then he had done one other interview with... um like a magazine. I forget which magazine he did. He did, he did. So he did those two little quick little interviews. There was some stuff out there, but even in the machine head days, he posted about, you know, there was kind of a gag order on him because when he would do interviews, I think he would kind of stray from the agenda. Uh-huh. And so towards the end, he just stopped doing interviews altogether. And even when catharsis came out, there was a story about, he tweeted Sorry, there. Uh, you know, sorry, I'm not available for interviews. Rob does all the interviews or something like that. So I said, so I call, you know, I call him, and he's like, "How long is this going to be?" I'm like, 30 minutes. That's all I need." And I was prepared to have a good chat about, you know, the violence show coming up and sure. blah blah blah. And and then like my inner Oprah came out, and I just started asking him like, <laughs> like, how did that make you feel when mm. Rob said that? And he's like, you know, and that was the most like journalist I think I've ever felt on this show. Man, I mean, there's the thing people, people come in and sometimes people just got shit. They got to get off their chest. Yeah. They're just, and they just don't know until that moment where they're like, this is it. I'm, I'm about to lay it all out. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. Where do you, I don't know if we talked about this. Where do you stand on catharsis? What do you think of it? I liked some, I liked a lot of the stuff on it. I liked uh, volatile and I liked, um, I even liked like triple beam was Ooh, like, oh, triple that's a, beam. That's a jam. And yeah. you know, like I can put it on and I enjoy it. So I like even like the, what is that? Bastards or whatever. The, the, right. the kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the commentary track. Yeah. I yeah. know what you mean. Yeah. The, um, the message song. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's, Almost like a Dropkick Murphys meets Machine Head yeah, <laughs> type yeah. thing, but I I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm I've never been lyric guy, so mm-hmm. like a lot of that stuff about, um, you know, anti-Trump or whatnot, if mm-hmm. anti or pro or whatever it is, yeah. you know, it's, that doesn't bother me, and it really sure. never that type of stuff really never. Oh, I can't believe that he thinks this way. As long as it's got a you know good chorus. 
Yeah, I I um I like that album. It was on my top ten of the year. I think it's too long. I think he could have chopped like yeah four or five songs off of it. Would have been fine. Because uh, what is it like fifteen tracks, something that like that? A lot. It's pretty long. Um, I do think like when I listened to it at the time, I was like, oh man, this is a real crusher. Going back to it, I do think it the it has a lot of that like modern production sound that a lot mm-hmm. of people do. Like I don't know if that's I've heard this term lately. I'm going to throw it around, but I don't know if I know what it actually means. <laughs> Gated drums. I don't okay. know if that's something. I don't know. The way that the drums sound on that album are almost too too huge, too heavy. Like That was an album that I was like, I, I listening to it on headphones, I was like, it's too, it's hurting my head. Like too many, like if I listen to it straight through. Yeah. And uh, But I mean, it definitely was like heavy as fuck and what I wanted and it has a lot of new metal elements to it that I enjoyed, which I guess they got a lot of shit for. Yeah. But, you know, that's fine. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I, I, I thought it was, it, it was funny to me to see like so much of the negative feedback that it got critically mm-hmm. um because i didn't hear that because because i remember it reminded me a bit of the negative feedback that the suicide silence record that ross robinson produced did which at the time i like really loved and then i gave it like a couple months and i went back to it and i was like okay i do not love this album i love a couple songs but i can sort of see what people are saying um so uh yeah but it's, it's weird I'm, I'm interested to see you know what happens going forward i feel like rob's sort of mia culpa you know video where he sort of apologized for letting this happen i mean i'm curious what that means i mean because i mean this isn't the end of machine head no like there's going to be another machine. Well, i mean they're in the studios they're in the studio yeah well i mean is you know assuming that this next release because i guess there's a tour that he's doing it as like rob flynn and friends hmm. or something like that or there's some sort of show so I don't know if that's something he's going to try or if he's just going to put it under the Machine Head banner continuing going forward. I mean, it's not like there aren't other metal bands out there that are made of like Well, one I mean, or two Machine guys. Head, I mean, he's the sole, yeah. even even with Dave and uh, Phil in the band, he was still the lone original member. So right, I mean, right, that's right. his thing. But, you know, the, the thing with Catharsis kind of being under that new metal banner and people kind of giving it shit, you know, when I went and saw their big two and a half, three hour epic uh, you know, evening with show. Yeah, when they would play like "Desire to Fire," the crowd went absolutely nuts. They played, <laughs> they play from this day, yeah. every night. And I know everyone. And I think he even said it on your. He's like, people go crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a weird. It's here's the thing. I'm doing new metal every week, man. The new metal <laughs> bias. The new metal bias is out there. It's weird. People still, you know, I tell people sometimes, like, what is your show? And I'm like, oh, we talk about bands like Limp Bizkit and Corn. Limp Bizkit. I'm just like, man, the, the imprint of that. Let's, I, this, not in your agenda. How hyped are you for this new Limp Bizkit album? Limp, new Limp Bizkit, old Limp Bizkit, Limp Bizkit demos. <sighs> give me, give it all to me. I am, uh, I'm so excited. I've been, like, Fred's been posting on his Instagram story, them rehearsing in the studio. And at first they were doing, you know, some chocolate starfish stuff. But then they were doing Gold Cobra, and I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> yes, you're playing these kind of deep cuts." So I'm, I'm very excited to see what this album sounds like. I'm hoping it comes out this year. I'm curious who's producing it. I don't know if this is a self-produced deal. Uh, Gold Cobra is attributed to Fred. The rumor was that Stampede of the Disco Elephants was being produced by Ross, but I guess all that was scrapped. Um, that's my assumption. My assumption is this record is all brand new. 
There's nothing recycled. That is my assumption based on just the fact that Fred West had posted that thing saying that uh, that they're writing a new album, which leads me to believe that, I mean, because he said, I think when he was on your show, that he had like 20 songs done that he sent to Fred to just put lyrics on. Yeah. So, yeah. But then he also said that people don't want a new Limbiscuit album, but uh, we'll see. The world, I think, is ready for some new Limbiscuit. I really think that this last year of shows that he did, I think really changed his mind. Mm-hmm. And I think also just based on, they played a lot of, of they go to Bali, I think at one point. Yeah. There were a lot of overseas, a lot of Australia. A lot of, yeah. And I think they probably saw a lot more reception than they expected. And they were playing bigger. I mean the, uh, the big last show of the tour, which was with the Philly show where they got, where Fred gets drop kicked by, <laughs> uh, Shaggy, too by dope. Shaggy too dope. You see, I mean, even besides that, you see the audience they were playing in front of. That was not a passive audience. That was yeah. a rabid audience. And the other thing to keep in mind is I keep bringing up, Limp Biscuit was the biggest band in the world yeah. for not a minute, a couple minutes. <laughs> so they, they, people want it. People want it. I want it. You want it. And they're making it. And I'm very excited. And I feel like this one could have, I don't think it's, I mean, it's impossible to ever equal what it was before. But I think I think they could really, you know, impact it right if they if they figure out it i mean i don't know are, are the rumors what they're signed to what nuclear blast oh, I, I have no say. idea what they're on i think i think that was the thing that the rumor was that they got signed to nuclear blast so i don't know if they can get some sort of push behind it and um you know i'd be very excited i mean they've already got dates booked for this year a couple places so yeah i'm just i'm hopeful that they and i mean they didn't end up getting to play Louisville, right. uh, because of the whole weird flooding, the flood. flooding. So they, they 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 owe you a makeup. They, they owe do. us a makeup. So what's funny is that, like even the the first year they played Louder Than Life, the first year was around what 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. The even to this day, if people ask like, "What was your favorite band from Louder Than Life of all years of all the bands?" People always say, "I you know like I'll start it out with I hate to say it." But it was Limp Bizkit. <laughs> and they, they were they were amazing. You know, they're an amazing live band and they've you know, now they're they're in a position where even like last year in a lot of the festivals, they were one of the main headliners still. Still. And they're one of the most shit on bands out there, but they're also one of the most uh highly respected bands out there too. Also, let's point it out. It's the original lineup. It is, uh, yeah. They got the original lineup still. Yeah. I mean, and Sam, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, back issues and stuff that he's been having, but he's in the studio with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that the made lethal me... Back? F- that lethal's back? You know, I mean, I feel like this could be really spectacular. I mean, part of me also wonders if maybe that was also the hesitance on Fred's part to, to when they didn't put the album out, was that it, they weren't... You know, Sam was having his back issues. The lethal's out of the picture. Is it really Limp Bizkit? You know, it's just, you know, it's still this, you know, skeleton crew of people. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. I think, uh, I think, I think I'm going to bring it up again. I think, I think Wes might have some rippers on hand. I just think he might. Well, you know, he's going to have some rippers on here. Well, man, I appreciate you stopping by doing the podcast tonight. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. And uh, let everybody know where they can find the Roach Coach podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. It's Roach Coach, Coach with a K. Uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. 
If you want to send us an email, roachcoachpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. I'll just hit them all, man. We got a lot of exciting things coming up. When is this episode posting? Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Uh, we'll, we, we're announcing in our episode that posts on Wednesday uh, that we are doing a special month, month of March, uh, all albums produced by Ross Robinson that are not new metal. Wow. There you go. So it'll be an entire month. So we're getting a little bit away, but it's still, we got Ross and we'll be listening to these albums seeing what's the Ross touch. So let me get, let me, let me, let me throw I'm them not out gonna, there. Throw some out, but I'm not going to, I won't confirm or deny, but you can throw some out there. At the drive-in. Okay. Glass jaw. Okay. The cure. Okay. I don't know anymore. Okay. So. I will tell you that. Of those albums you named, Pop. Russ Robinson produced all yes, of them. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we're gonna have we we uh, we already recorded the first one. It was a uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we weren't sure how it was gonna go, but it went really well. Um, I mispronounced a famous name, and I found out you you have to listen to the episode. But I I have been mispronouncing a famous name for years, and Matt and Jenny were like, dude. <laughs> what have you been saying for your whole life? So look forward to that. That reminds me of uh, our my drummer in the band Twelve Volt Negative Vert that I had. He was a great guy, but he's fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. he was reading a um, a review of an album out loud, uh-huh. and he kept getting to the word genre. Oh no! And he kept saying genier. And I'm like, what are you saying? He's like, it says genier. I'm like, that's genre. And he was like. Oh, and he knew the word genre. He just didn't put two and two together. So that that reminds me of uh, of what's going on there. Let me tell you, when I was, I will remember this forever. When I was in, I want to say sixth grade is when I learned that word, fifth or sixth grade. And I basically came home and I told my parents that word. And my dad was like, what is this word? I've never heard this word before. And I'm like, this is my dad. I'm like, never heard a word before like what how am i telling my dad about a word and then afterwards my dad would always be like genre <laughs> that word i see it all the time now I'm like it's always been here dad <laughs> was that the time that you just felt like you ruined like it ruined your life because you were for some for one second smarter than your parents it was a weird moment where i was like how do i know something my dad doesn't know that's so weird yeah so yeah he knows it now there he knows you it go. now all right, guys. Well, uh, thanks once again to David Silvera and the and the Bias guys, Rob Rivera, and to our special co-host Owen Kozlowski. And uh, so, for the Talk to Me podcast, I am Josh Batumi, and I will talk to you guys next Thursday. Are you?
I can see, I can see, I'm going blind. I can see, I can see, I'm going blind. I can see, I can see, I'm going blind. I can see, I can see, I'm going blind. I can see, I can see, I'm going blind. I can see, I can see, I'm going blind. I can see, I can see, I'